0: is Actually, you are a real runner with Jacqueline Riccio. Great. I am so excited today on the podcast. I have a fellow podcaster, um, Amanda Murphy. How are you doing today? Good, I'm awesome. That's great. So amazing to connect with you. I love the internet, I love the podcasting world, and I love people who are anti diet. So, Amanda, I like to get started. To kind of hear like your story, I think that we can, the more that we share our stories about dieting and body image and food and health and all of this, like we see that we're not alone. So what was food and health like for you and exercise maybe kind of like in high school or college?
1: Oh, boy. Well, I like to start by saying like, I'm not anything special. There's nothing really different or atypical. Um, I was just your average kid. I can remember back to being like 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and even starting to really pay attention to my body, to what I was eating, my weight, how I looked compared to the other girls in middle school and in high school. And so I remember my very disordered relationship with food, exercise, my body, beginning at a very young age. And so, of course, as I got older, it just got worse and worse and worse. And to the point where I was in my early 20s, late teens, starting college, graduating high school, and that's when it really started becoming an all-time, I don't want to say high, but that's when it became worse. Um, You know, I would be in the gym doing an hour or so of cardio five to six times a week, counting calories like crazy and just going through the restricting, binging, yo-yo dieting cycle and just being completely miserable. And then over time, because now that I know, know your body tries to protect itself, I would keep gaining weight. Rather than lose the weight, I would be gaining weight. So then my efforts to lose the weight and to do what I thought I needed to do just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And eventually I just got to this point where I call it my breaking point where I just felt like I can't do this anymore. And I got to a point where like, I, it's a funny story cause it involves ravioli, but it's literally, I just remember thinking to myself, if it came down to being in this body for the rest of my life, but having a, a happy relationship with my body and with food. And I didn't even know what that meant, what that looked like at the time, but I just knew whatever I was doing, the way I was living, I just couldn't do it anymore and that was it like I was deciding that I had no idea what was coming up what would be next how it would look going forward but I just couldn't do what I was doing anymore I was miserable I was unhappy and it was and that's just putting it mildly so in a nutshell that's what it looked like it really wasn't atypical nothing crazy was-
0: yeah and I think but I think what you said like it, it's not atypical but in a lot of people's minds they think that their experience with this is different. They think that everyone else is being successful, but they're the only ones that's struggling with it. So you said that you were doing like Milton exercise, cardio machines at the gym, Mm -hmm. hour long sessions, five times a week, and then counting calories. So what would like, what was your, what was your number? What was your calorie, your, your magical number? And what did food look like when you were counting calories?
1: Oh, it would change all the time because I would always be Googling and listening to this person and then that person. And if one other person, like you said, who seemed to have it right, or, you know, seemed to be successful said something, I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to listen to them. So that number was forever changing. And um, food was just, it was evil. It was something I loved, but I hated because I began to this point where I, feared being hungry. Like if I was hungry, I was like, it was kind of like, Oh crap. Now I'm hungry. Now I have to worry about what should I eat? How many calories is this? Is it going to fit? When I was at the gym and doing hours of endless cardio, I mean, I remember wearing my heart rate monitor, looking at the calorie count on the machines thinking, okay, well, if I hit a thousand calories, that's a thousand calories I can plug into my calorie tracking app. And you know, everything I did basically, boiled down to when I could eat what I could eat what I should eat how I should exercise and how that related to my food is all centered around food and exercise and whatever I could do to quote quote potentially lose weight
0: yeah (laughs) yeah um so uh what was your joy level around like food and life and social occasions during this time
1: oh looking back there was no joy around food like I guess the only time I would have pleasure around food is when I knew that I was going in, maybe going out to eat with a friend or going into something. And I've already just convinced myself to say like, F it, you're just going to eat whatever. Who cares if you quote, quote, blow your diet for the day? Like if I gave myself that permission going into it, which is still silly to say, but like going into it, then I could enjoy myself a little bit, but there was always guilt that followed. Unfortunately, looking back, there was never really enjoyment with food because it always came back to I was either eating too much or this isn't going to help me lose weight, et cetera.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anything that you did with food was about the losing weight, and mm-hmm. then your joy level around exercise. So I coach a lot of women, or there's a lot of lim- women um that are listening that kind of get started with running. Um, sometimes it's to start a weight loss journey. Sometimes it is just a way to move their body but like we focus on the joy level around running like this is a fun thing that you're doing for your body so what was like with exercise for you uh back then and movement like what was that like
1: oh it was just purely to burn calories it was not I never looked at it as how can I benefit my body in a health way? How can I feel better by exercising? It was literally, how can I work out in a way that burns more calories and changes the way my body looks?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And I mean, I always did feel better. I mean, I did notice that I felt better, but I wasn't paying attention to that. So it was very overlooked. So it was kind of, I had a very forceful relationship then with exercise.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, tell me more about this ravioli and like how this, like, you're like, I, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, this is so dumb. Like, why? What happened?
1: Well, I was finishing up my degree. And at the time, I was living with my parents.
0: And I had
1: obviously been counting calories. I had a late class after work about 6pm. And so I wouldn't get home until about eight o'clock. And I had planned out what I was eating for the day, counted my calories, logged it the whole nine. Well, I got home. After I should have quote quote been done eating for the day and my dad made raviolis for dinner and they're my favorite one of my favorites and I walked in the door can instantly smell them and that's when like the internal battle with yourself like do I eat the ravioli I really want the ravioli but I've already ate all my calories for the day if I eat this ravioli I'm gonna go over my calories I'm gonna you know, quote, quote, sabotage my day, my weight loss efforts are going to go down the drain. And it was that internal struggle. And that's when I just said, F it, like, I'm done. I'm going to eat the ravioli. I'm going to pack some for lunch tomorrow. This is it. I'm done. That's it. And literally, like, I think that's why I'll always remember ravioli in that way, because it was just such a pivotal moment. And then I remember reaching out to this group on Facebook and just ranting about it. In this Facebook group. And I have no idea why. I don't know what I was expecting them to say. But then I actually got a lot of feedback. And it was positive. And so I was like, okay, I'm doing this. And I'm taking everybody with me. It was like this major pivotal moment.
0: Mm-hmm. So what did that uh, that event look like? And what, like, what changed and unfolded in your life after that ravioli occasion? Well,
1: I guess, like I said, I didn't know at that moment, like what my relationship with food and my body would look like. I have no idea what a healthy relationship with food even looked like, but I just knew that I could not do that. So at that point it was, you know what? I don't even know how I came across intuitive eating, but at the same time, crazy how life works out. um, A friend had recommended this book called secrets from the eating lab by Tracy Mann, And I had happened to have already ordered it, had it on hand. And at the same time I had that moment, about the same day or the next day I started reading it, game changer. It's a book completely about all these research studies done on human behavior when it comes to eating and diets. And it was like the proof, all the proof I needed to know that diets don't work, restrictive eating is not healthy the whole nine. And it was literally the proof that I knew that I was not going back. And it just spiraled me forward into more research, more digging, more learning, and just more experimenting with my body to find out, well, what is that healthy relationship with food? What is that healthy relationship with my body for me? And how do I cultivate it? How do I trust my body? And it was just a, a big spiral forward from there.
0: Mm-hmm. That's huge. Um, kind of seeing that evidence and like okay cool i don't know what this is going to look like but i know that what i'm doing is not working so there has to be something that's healthier and happier and so what it like what kind of unfolded in you figuring out how to do this healthy relationship with food and did it like was it like that like sometimes i see programs that are like let us change your relationship with food in 30 days or less and it's like well really (laughs) so what like what kind of happened
1: Somehow, and I, I wish I could remember how I came across intuitive eating. Somehow, some way, mm-hmm. um, the book read it, and coupled with that first book I mentioned, that really laid the foundation for me. And it's really a trial and error, and you just have to start somewhere. And you know, you just had to take it day by day, and I had to look at why I was doing what I was doing, how I felt. It took a lot of checking in with myself, forgiving myself, being kind to myself. And it was just a one-day-at-a-time operation. And it still is. It still is. And as far as any program saying that they can totally transform your relationship with food in 30 days, there is no slipping way. There's no way. Because everybody comes from a different place. And the unpacking that needs to be done takes a long time time. If you've been dieting for 30 years, it could take 30 years to unpack it fully. So yeah.
0: Yeah. No timeline, no deadline. Mm Um, I love what you said about forgiving yourself and kind of like doing the work. So like on a daily basis, what kinds of things I'm always interested to hear like the inner chatter, like what kinds of things did you, were you saying before that you kind of had to like reframe or unpack and like figure out a different way?
1: Well, the biggest thing, and I think that a lot of people can relate to, too, is the binging. With dieting and severe restricting comes binging, and I would binge a lot, and when I was trying to diet, binges came with a lot of guilt and a lot of frustration, a lot of anger, and when you start to give yourself unconditional permission to eat, you're starting to build a health relationship with your body, you're probably still going to binge. You're going to eat a lot of foods that were once- off limits in your mind. And you used to feel guilty when you did this. So you have to start reframing that narrative in your mind to say, you know what, that's okay that I'm eating. these. You know, I've been depriving myself of these, of course, I want to, you know, enjoy these foods. And you kind of have to really start reframing why you're doing and, and taking out the guilt. And it takes being aware of the narrative in your mind. And Consciously choosing, you know. Say, I remember shortly after a couple days, I literally ate a whole bag of Starburst jelly beans, and there I had to remind myself that that's okay. I'm learning my body again. I'm learning to trust my body and learning that it's okay to eat jelly beans. So, I hope that answered the question. Yeah, it, it does. You know, you just have to really do the internal dirty work, as I like to call it, and it takes a lot of awareness,
0: consciousness, and a lot of support sometimes. Mm-hmm. So you are going through this process. Um, and I'm, I know the answer is that you never actually arrived. But like, when did you start to feel like, okay, cool, I actually am seeing progress in trusting myself? Like, what did that take us through that journey? Has it been five years? Has it been a couple of years? Has it been a couple of months? Like what, what how long? And what did that kind of look like?
1: Well, that ravioli moment was about a year and a half to two years ago, and I want to say probably just at the beginning of this year, maybe the end of last year is really when I started to see, like, okay, like, you're not I, – I felt like I could tell myself that I'm not a dieter anymore. Like, I, I'm fully outside of that, and I started to see that I had a healthier relationship with food and with my body. And of course, like you said, you never fully get there. There are days that I have maybe bad body image days or things like that. And, you know, some thoughts pop up about my food choices, then I have to quiet them down. I have to rewrite them. And it's every day something that you kind of have to be aware of, but it definitely gets easier. And
0: it's definitely worth it. Mm -hmm. So you, um, went into the intuitive eating certification. Um, Tell us a little bit more about that and kind of like what coaching kind of looks like with that. Um,
1: With that certification program that they offer, you can either be a coach or a counselor and depending on your level of degree and things like that, starting depends on where you go. Um, Because I'm already in the medical field and stuff like that. I'm a counselor and we had to um, read the book and take a quiz. We had to do the workbook and take a quiz. And then we had to do a six-week um, self-study, but then we had a, we had calls with um, Evelyn Tripoli. And then we had to take, I believe it was like 180-question test and pass that. Um, but that was eye-opening because especially the calls that we did were with other women going through the certification program, and they had the chance to talk about their experiences and their clients. And we really got to grow from each other. And that was eye-opening too, to see other people going through it. And also that there's so many people who want to help change the world in this way for the better.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the cool things about working with someone who has been through what you've been through is that they get it. And I think sometimes like, um, when you work with someone that doesn't have a similar experience, it's like, okay, cool. Like, I don't think that, I don't know if they really understand what's happening here, but like being able to have someone that's like, I've been through maybe not exactly that, but something similar. And I've had to go Mm -hmm. through the process and unpack the shit myself and like do the dirty work. Um, I love that. It's such an amazing, um, way to connect with people and help people um so when you see crap on the internet still because there's lots and you know it pops up around january and it pops up uh as we head into warmer months what kind of stuff do you see out there that just makes you so angry like all of it
1: (laughs) i mean i definitely see it on instagram but honestly i think because i try not to like mindlessly scroll i actually hear it so much more like in the people I'm around and date on a daily basis. Like I still work as an occupational therapist and listening to like my coworkers. Like they just started this weight loss challenge thing. And it's like nails on a chalkboard, just the everyday dialogue that people are engaging in. That's where it honestly pops up the most. And it's, it's surprising. And I hate it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's huge. Cause it's like, we, especially if we're not aware of those things, like we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with, like their behaviors, their actions, the things that they say, they start to like, um, you know, change the thoughts in our heads. So like what kinds of conversations when you sit, when you talk about weight loss challenges or diet culture, what kinds of things do you notice other women or men saying, especially like when there's a weight loss challenge happening?
1: Oh, it's a lot of like, why well, I shouldn't be eating this, or I can't be eating this, or like, that's not good for you, or, you know, a lot of that, there's a lot of that that happens. And then um, talking about getting ready for summer, ready for the beach, there's a lot of that going on. And it's, it's always about what they're putting into their body, their food choices, and how their body looks. And yeah, I mean, it's endless. The things that people come up with these days actually are kind of creative.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. So sometimes people, I've seen this too, they'll be like, you know, intuitive eating or Hayes, um, health at every size is anti-health. And what would you say um, to someone who says that?
1: Well, first and foremost, I always say Overall health includes your mental health, your emotional health. And if we're going to have our overall sense of well-being, we have to include our mental health and our emotional health. And if you're so stressed out over what you're putting in your body, how much you're putting in your body, how you're moving your body, what it looks like, you're actually doing harm to your emotional and mental health. And you're sacrificing your mental and emotional health. And there is a satisfaction component to food in the current day that we live in, there is a satisfaction component to food that definitely affects our mental and emotional health. So you can't have overall health with what you're eating if you're sacrificing the other for what you're eating. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's, that's what I start with because it usually gets people thinking. So
0: I saw a meme once that was like, you know, it's healthier than kale, like a healthy relationship with food. And I was like, yeah, like, yes. yes, thank you. Thank you. You can still eat the kale and that's fine. But like, if you're like ah, kale, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, the, the messages that we hear over and over, um, it's hard. And I think that like orthorexia is a big one, um, especially on social media and clean eating and, you know, perfect eating and just like, Oh, let's do this. Um, when you kind of look at how you eat now or even just like how you think about food like what's opened up for you since you stopped tracking food oh man everything like
1: it it takes time but i don't i don't fear food anymore i don't fret over my food choices i don't you know my choices aren't made based on a number it's based on what sounds good to me and my taste and of course there is a level where i'm honoring what makes my body feel good but that once you build a healthy relationship starts to come more naturally and so now i just enjoy food i honestly enjoy food i enjoy my life i enjoy social events more because i'm not afraid that there's going to be you know cake or cookies or barbecue or anything that wasn't planned or foreseen and It's just a sense of contentment and happiness and a a peacefulness inside of you that you just don't have when you're dieting. You just don't have it. Mm
0: -hmm. And then as far as like exercise and movement, I'm guessing hour-long sessions on the elliptical is not in your uh, schedule anymore. So what does movement look like for you these days? I actually
1: have come to very much love movement and exercise and no i do not work out probably longer than 30 minutes a day and i canceled my gym membership about two years ago because i cannot stand the gym it's great for if you love it great it's not for me and with cultivating a healthy relationship with food and my body also came exercise so i stopped forcing myself to do things i didn't truly enjoy and one of those things were the gym i prefer to work out at home or nobody's around. I could just get in my zone. Who cares if I look like a sloppy mess? Mm-hmm. None of that. And I actually do like workout videos. I'll find workout programs online, things like that. And I actually, for the first time in 28 years, just last week, finished an eight week program from start to finish. And that's the first time that's ever happened in 28 years because When I would try to do that before when I was dieting, I would get to a point probably within the first week or two where I would quote, quote, slip up with my eating, fall off the bandwagon, whatever, and I would start over. And because that fitness wasn't for my overall health and well being, it was for weight loss, that would start over as well. So I would never finish it. Plus, I would force myself to be doing stuff I didn't really like. Therefore, I was less likely to do it. So Mm -hmm. I love exercise. I never thought I'd be the person to wake up five to six days a week at 4.30 a.m. to work out, but I do, Mm -hmm. and that is because I now love it, Mm -hmm. so it's total 360.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, so when, on the days that you exercise, um, how does movement kind of, like, add joy to your life, like, the health benefits that you see now that you didn't see before when you were on the elliptical or at the gym?
1: I just feel better i feel stronger i have a higher energy levels mm-hmm. i prefer to work out first thing in the morning and it really just jump starts my day and i i just i think it's it's weird to explain it's kind of hard to explain but it, it aids in your overall well-being and i think once we get to a, a healthier place with our body and with food we can start to see that that it just does moving our body in any way shape or form that makes us feel good mentally and emotionally as well it just contributes to an overall sense of well-being and you just feel empowered you feel more in control of your health and your life and your body and it just it is it's empowering when you just start to do things for pure health and enjoyment
0: mhm that's amazing i love that um I always think about like when I'm on an airplane, cause I, cause I used to be someone that didn't like to do exercise. And then I was like, huh, I actually do enjoy movement. Cause then I think about being on an airplane and mm-hmm. stuck there where you can't move your body and you're like, oh my gosh, I just want to get up and walk. I just want to. And it's like, okay, I actually do enjoy movement. How interesting. Mm-hmm. Like that's not the same as what it was before when I was trying to do a program to just lose weight. It's like, mm-hmm eventually you just give up on it. Mm -hmm. So I know you mentioned the Intuitive Eating book. Um, What other books do you like where you were like, these books are life changing, these authors, these messages um, really changed your life?
1: The two books I always recommend is the Health at Every Size book by Linda Bacon and Secrets from the Eating Lab by Tracy Mann. Mm -hmm. Because all of the, they're not an an opinion. You know, it's hard to not take something with a grain of salt when it's somebody's opinion, but these books are so factual. They're scientific research studies and they just, they have the proof. They have such compounding evidence Mm -hmm. that I think it really can help overhaul somebody's life and somebody's mindset and that you just can't go wrong with these books.
0: Awesome. That's amazing. So if someone wants to work with you, um, what does that kind of look like? Uh sometimes people are like, what's online coaching? What's that like? Um and especially I think that a lot of people in the past they think about coaching like Weight Watchers meetings and going and getting on the scale and like evil, like, oh my gosh, oh so uncomfortable. Um so what is like working with you as I'm sorry, counselor, what does that look like and how is that different than a Weight Watchers meeting?
1: oh um definitely it's totally different um I would I love to meet people in person if they're close but if they're not we work usually through zoom calls um and the first session I like to do a little bit longer of a session usually it's 90 minutes I definitely want to get a history get to know the person where they're starting at what they've been through and where they want to go because everybody's journey is going to be so different and it's going to be uniquely yours so i have to get to know you where you're at and where you want to go and i never tell anybody what they have to do what they should do what they shouldn't do i'm really just a facilitator helping you on your journey to unpack everything yourself but it can be very overwhelming it can be very scary And so it's nice to have somebody to guide you and to support you and to help challenge your mind and point you in the right direction. But it's going to be a journey that you are steering, you're driving it. And every week we'll meet via a zoom call and we'll go through what are, what, what happened last week? What, what has been a struggle for you? Where are you at? What are you thinking? What was an accomplishment? Things like that. I mean, to say what one call would look like, It's impossible because it's going to be so uniquely different, but everything is completely confidential. Um, Whatever happens between our zoom call stays in our zoom call. Um, You can reach me via text message. I offer the text message support outside of our zoom calls because some moments you just need to shoulder crying. You need to vent, you need to, you know, hash something out and um, a lot of transformations and revolution and magic happens.
0: Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I love that. All right. Awesome. So if someone wanted to connect to you, where are the best places to find you? If they aren't local, where can they find you?
1: They can find me at my Instagram, the Amanda Murphy and my website, theamandamurphy.com. And there's um, ways to get a hold of me on both. You can send me a message, send me an email. Um, and also check in, tune into my podcast because we're always talking about good stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a great show. I really enjoyed it. Um, it like, I think I, I listened to the episode about like, what is a diet? What isn't a diet? And, um, that was helpful because there are foods like there might be a food that doesn't make your body feel good. Um, and you get to choose to not eat that food and it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's fine. So it was so great connecting with you today. Thank you so much, Amanda.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Hey, quick heads up that the Imperfect Eating Facebook group is growing and it's so exciting. Every Friday I do a live training in there uh, based on your questions. So we've covered different topics like stress eating, emotional eating. And so you're gonna wanna be a part of this Facebook group if you are saying things like, Oh my gosh, I'm still struggling with stress eating, or I just love food too much, I can't do a diet because I love it too much, and I just eat constantly. Or, you know, how do I know when enough is enough? I I eat and then I go overboard. Or, you know, I can do all or I can do nothing. I can be strict or it's well, well, less. But like, what does balance actually look like? So if these are things that you're struggling with, definitely check out the show links, live trainings every single Friday at 12 p.m. And then you can submit your questions, something you're struggling with. Can't wait to meet you in there. Take care.